Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, every marketer today is feverishly trying to work out what to expect and what they do in 2022 as the consumer economy bolts out of COVID repression, we hope. What products and categories will rocket, travel and entertainment clearly, and what will temper home renovations and Bunnings is likely, while the COVID romance with home cooking has also peaked. Pre-prepared meals and food delivery is filling that gap quite well, it seems. But what about e-commerce and the tone of brand messaging for next year? The once daggy QR code is back with vengeance because of the online shopping boom and media companies are hitching their britches to all new content and commerce models which link to their brand partners. Seven West annual upfronts is looming and watch for some pretty interesting e-commerce integration into content there. So with us today for a bit of economic, commerce and consumer insight for 2022 is Cole CMO Lisa Ronson, Sunrise host and chair of finance and business publisher Pinstripe Media, David Koch, and Seven West Media's Chief Revenue Officer, Kurt Burnett. Welcome to you all. Uh, to David Koch first, um, give us your take on the economics for 2022, David, and the underlying consumer confidence levels. I think you think we're in for an absolute spending bolter, and welcome. Thank you, Paul. Um, yes, uh, coming out of the doom and gloom of lockdowns, particularly for the two uh, biggest economic powerhouses in Australia, in Victoria and New South Wales, um, is just going to be a massive bounce back. Um, just to give you the latest figures, OECD last week, Organisation of Economic Cooperation Development, it's a big global economic think tank. They reckon our uh, economy will grow 4% this calendar year, so that's 2021. They're expecting a, a big boost in November and December in the lead up to Christmas as consumers who have been in lockdown uh, go berserk uh, in terms of Christmas celebrations and uh, and buying. And even next calendar year, 2022, um, they're forecasting 3.3% economic growth. So that's really strong on the back of the the higher vaccination rates and, and the promises from... Um, a lot of premiers, and there's a bit of a division in opinion here uh, between the premiers, that we will not go into lockdowns to the extent that we have in 2021 into the future. So, you know, I th- think it's all set up to to be a, a boomer end of the year and, and also next year as well. Consumer confidence is really high and Australians have never been richer. Even though debt's high, I saw an interesting stat the other day saying household debt in Australia is 180% of income. Now, that would be a worry on its own, uh, but uh, household assets are 800, nearly 900% of income. So, yes, we're highly geared, but we've got a massive asset base below it. You've also had the Reserve Bank come out and say, we're not going to increase interest rates to cool this housing bubble as we normally would, um, because if people feel richer, they're going to go out and spend. It's up to you, the states, to release more land 
and use the councils to allow more building of home units. So let's supply, stabilise the housing market rather than make us um, increase borrowing costs and make it expensive to borrow. So, you know, I know people are a bit down in the dumps, particularly in the long lockdown states, but the economy is going to come out with a vengeance. You're very bullish and it sounds like, um, you know, we'll get to Lisa and Kurt as well. There's a, there's a lot uh, of upbeat sentiment for next year. The sectors, David, with the most upside and downside, what's your read on that? I mentioned a few, but you, you, what's your take? It's really interesting. The, uh, the obvious ones are, are travel and tourism. Uh, as, as we start to try and get our, out of our homes, our city and our state, um, international um, and local, um, an interesting one is there's going to be there's a big baby boom going on at the moment. I've got a, do- uh, uh, a daughter and daughter-in-law both pregnant at the moment. Due in November, I can tell you firsthand from the cold place, uh, maternity wards are absolutely packed. But um, see, migration rates, overseas migration, uh, because of the international border lockdowns, um, has had the first decline since 1946. Mm. Would you believe? historic figures, but uh, babies born uh, is going to get back up to around 300,000, which is pre-pandemic levels. We have a tradition in our family where uh, the grandparents buy the first pram of a child. We went shopping the other day. Three (laughs) grand for a pram. I think they saw Baby Bunting saw a uh, grandparent walk in the door and rub their hands and went, we can upsell this bike. You got a, you got a Mercedes AMG kit put on it or something, it did had, you? It had leather upholstery. I'm going, give me a break. <laughs> That's truly fascinating. Well, it gets us to a whole, lots of, a whole lot of questions in, in around um, trading up and down too, which we'll get to in a minute because that's um, you're clearly trading up, David Kosh. It's good. It- and, and don't forget people's superannuation through the roof as well because of the share market boom. So Australian households do have money that they haven't been able to spend in lockdown. You know, you mentioned, I think, in, in our earlier conversation, uh, you know, I think you said Bunnings and, and home renos being absolutely crazy, but that might come off at, at the expense of some other things, right? That's right. People have been um, uh, pimping their four-wheel drive for driving holidays around this state at the moment. You just see it that uh, there's a listing company called ARB, where you go, um, they sell bull bars and roof racks and tents on roofs and all that sort of stuff. Blokes, paradise, that stuff. Their, their share price has gone through the roof, uh, uh, along with um, super retail group and super cheap auto. Uh, so people have been spending it on that um, um, rather than um, other discretionary areas. New cars, for example, with um, used car prices are now higher than used cars because you can't supply chain issues mean hard to get a, a, a good new car. So people have been buying used cars and um, and that the price has, has shot up. So there's going to be a real change in um, consumption habits back to the norm and and away from those one-off sort of benefit from, from lockdown. Just on that, building on that, I just wanted to uh, comment on that because I thought it's really interesting about the, the baby boom piece that, um, you know, that that's a real fascinating piece in itself. And I think that's as the market shifts on, you know, what's happening in the consumer um, world post-COVID and coming out of it. But, you know, one of the other trends that we've seen internationally as, you know, US, UK and Canada, the top, the top um, driver was retail. But inside that, and this is an obvious one, right, but it's just it's a nice pull on what David was saying there before, that, you know, it's about apparel and accessories. How do I look right. when I'm going out? That was the number one driver inside retail. 
um, right. you know, and underneath that wellness, you know, how do I get well? But interesting, you know, it's how I look. What am I doing for my my grandkids? <laughs> It's, yes. um, it's yeah, a yeah. whole lot of drivers in there. Lisa Ronson, um, how does that all sit with you? What's your sense for consumer spending next year and what are the hotspots for Coles? I think we mentioned home cooking is slowed, but pre-prepared meals are on the rise. What are you seeing? What have you seen? It's quite different from the first phase of lockdowns last year, right? Yeah, well, we were seeing a couple of trends um, really escalating pre-COVID and then through COVID, they've just gone off the charts and they are around, and you mentioned that, convenience meals and health and sustainability to Kurt's point and David's point around the tracky decks. I think everyone's very mindful that we've got to get out of them sooner <laughs> or later. Um, so I think firstly with convenience, there's been so many new entrants into the market. It's really um, up the ante from a quality perspective. So the expectations of consumers are so much higher. And what what we're set, well, we've seen a doubling in ready-to-eat and ready-to-heat meals just in the last 12 yeah, right. months from the year prior, right. which is which is massive, mm, really. Yep. And um, the reason that customers are citing for that, more than two-thirds of Australians are saying that they're moving to convenience for the reasons of health and well-being, because if they're not sure about what to cook themselves, there's so many great options, us included. We've had so much innovation in that space in the last 12 to 18 months that they're gravitating towards those sorts of meals. And then from a health and sustainability um, point of view, same thing, as I said, health was really growing prior to the pandemic, but this has accelerated. So 83% of Australians are really making an effort to prioritise their health and wellbeing now. And we've got some stats like 24% of Australians are now avoiding gluten And we've got 12% have gone vegan, and that's doubled in the last five to 10 years. So some real shifts in in health. And and I think it's also recognising consumers' connection to the community. So about 80% are saying that they care about the environment when they're making a purchase. 57% support companies that are ethical. 60% are supporting local suppliers, and that means different things in different states. Um, Some it's just buying Australian, some it's buying from that specific state, and some it's buying from that region. And then from an environmental point of view, 25% of Australians report that they've boycotted a brand that's not following environmental um, or sustainable practices which is double a year ago. Well, there's some big numbers. Are you seeing that sort of stuff, uh, those sort of trends come through in the products that are moving uh, uh, through through Coles? Have, have you got some sam- examples there, Lisa, or is it, um, am I asking for too many data points? Well, in general, as I said, a, a shift to convenience meals, and that is the ready-to-eat, which is, you know, salads, wraps, um, We've got a, a huge right. range of, you know, sushi rolls and things like that, and then ready-to-heat. So um, we've got health options for most of our, you know, Indian, Italian ranges, and they're really flying off the shelves. Koshi, I think you mentioned you saw some ABS stats that said baking products is down 20% or something, right? It goes to that convenience thing or home cooking over. Well, the pantries are stopped. The pantries stopped, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bureau of Stats puts out a, uh, a consumer shopping index that shows a really big shift away from, uh, from uh, baking ingredients and flour and sugar and things like that. Um, to Lisa's point, to uh, prepackaged meals, um, uh, a massive shift into it, and into seafood um, because of the sort of a silver lining to the trade war with China um, is that the price of lobster has <laughs> come down a lot. 
um, and and Australians are flocking towards it. There was a rumour you were having the lobster for breakfast, David. Is that true? <laughs> uh, I wish. Well, actually, we um, we had we saw the same thing last Christmas. We sold more lobsters last Christmas than we've ever sold. Um, probably in the in the last year. I can't remember what the stats were, but that was because we there were all these local um, fisheries that had a glut of lobsters because they couldn't sell them overseas. And so we just bought them and, and made them accessible to all Australians. And people just loved it, you know, having lobster for Christmas. I mean, you can't get better than that. Both of you here, uh, Kurt and, and Lisa, Seven and Coles, did a really fast tactical response to this whole um, home cooking thing last year where you had renowned chefs doing sort of home shot video cooking um, sort of meals and so forth. And that was very quick. You were on, I think you're on Seven News in the middle of it and something, you know. Um, so that was a tactical play last year. Do we, what, what is the, what is the, the, the example of that uh, now? Are you doing something different now with that? Well, I, I, I think it's, and I think one of the themes that we've found, particularly in a marketing planning sense, is you have to uh, learn to pivot pivot by state even, you know, because what we're going through now is, you know, our two biggest states can only go out and picnic. And so we have to be adaptable to that. But last year we had the opposite problem. People's pantries were stacked full of baking products that they didn't know how to use. And that's why, and I had chefs texting me going, I don't have a job. Can I come and Mm. stack shelves? And I was like, well, no, let's put those two things together and rang Kurt. And then I think we're on air two days later or something, Kurt. The ability to pivot and just change with who's locked down, who's not, what regulations yeah. there are, and, and just be empathy and, and helpful to, to our customer base. Lisa, David talks about a very upbeat, asset-rich consumer. Uh, how much trading up and down have you seen on the grocery shelves? Um, and what do you expect next year? Is there there's movement? I think you saw this, there's some still solid underlying trends of uh, in socioeconomics, but what, what what's your sense on that? Well, I think it's trading, what we've seen is it's trading very, very differently. So we've, we've found that our customers are shopping less frequently with much bigger baskets and shopping locally. What we, th- what we will see, and we saw this um, coming through uh, end of Q4 this year, as things normalise before this current outbreak, we saw uh, the fact that customers were going to bigger shopping centres, they felt more safe in going to bigger shopping centres, and to a certain degree going back to the CBD. Now, that's obviously changed quite dramatically in New South Wales and Victoria again, but we, we will see that as people go back to offices, there'll be an increasing demand for more convenience and they will change where they shop and how they shop and, and what they buy is what, is what we're seeing in, in, in our data. So Lisa and David, e-commerce, uh, it's obviously well documented that it's absolutely booming. Um, uh, how much of it will last, do you think, and, and, and what habits will change, what won't? David, your sense first. It will change forever. There's no doubt about it. There was some uh, research that came out a couple of months ago saying five years of education, of, um, of, of educating people into digital commerce has been squeezed into a year. Um, and as you said at the top of the show, <coughs> excuse me, as you said at the, the top of the show, the old QR code two years ago, I was thinking this is the dumbest, dumbest technology I've seen in my life. Now you don't go anywhere without yeah, yeah. my 87-year-old mother was QR coding um, the Big Bash. Where I think it was KFC had a QR code come on for the Big Bash or something. And, and I, I thought to myself, 
God help me, I never thought I'd see the day my mother's doing this on her iPhone. That's how, how much it's changed. It's sort of five years of, of development has been concertinaed into one, and you're starting to see it with some enormous results from um, online retailers, um, listed stocks, um, who have embraced it well. Um, uh, Dusk, for example, a recent share market listing, they make candles and fragrance diffusers and all that sort of stuff. Um, they, they built um, a tribe, a customer base, a digital customer base of 700,000 clients, um, which they can now mine themselves. Uh, Adore Beauty is another example of that. So you've seen a lot of retailers and not just the, the big supermarkets, the smaller ones, um, that have been using this as an opportunity to, to really hone their digital footprint. And going forward, if you do not have that, that's not missing out on an opportunity. That's putting your business at risk. And I think consumer habits have now shown that how convenient it is. Um, 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 you see it through Australia Post <laughs> figures coming. They're making no money on letters, obviously, but they're, they're booming in, in terms of parcel deliveries. And the ease of it, the shopping baskets getting that right, um, the um, uh, sort of encouraging your list, your database, and to keep developing that has been the number one thing. And the biggest threat to your business is a competitor doing it better um, because barriers to entry for competitors are now so low because of the digital education of consumers. So you've got to be on it. You can't say, I'll leave it to somebody else, otherwise you put your business at risk. Lisa Ronson, you, you're, you're sort of somewhat gobsmacked by the, by the, the Lazarus uh, uh, sort of behaviour of QR codes, right? I think you were saying that you, you, you couldn't get them up for, 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 for hell or high water for a long time and then suddenly it's de rigueur. Totally. I, honestly, um, showing my age, but for 10 years, you know, we saw how well they were working in Asia and we, kept, we tried it at, at the bank. We tried it um, for domestic tourism. Uh, initially, we tried them for Coles and it was just the take-up was so low. It wasn't worth the effort put into the marketing program to get customers to click through and find out more and that sort of thing. But now it's all changed. We have QR codes on our POS, on our packaging to see the provenance of where that particular product has come from. So they've just absolutely exploded and I never would have predicted that. Yeah. To David's point, uh, everything you see now, well, it's, you've, you've seen some shifts though, but habits will, uh, will, will hold in the e-commerce online shopping stuff. What are your numbers? They, they absolutely uh, will hold and, you know, I wholeheartedly agree with what David was saying and sort of at a macro level um, during COVID, one quarter of all households are now shopping groceries online and that number was stagnant for wow. years and years at like 10%. Um, and for us, um, to the June quarter, our e-commerce sales grew 52%. Um, wow. And in Q4, it was 62% alone from the year previously. So what that means is that as a percentage of our overall sales was in Q4, it was 6% penetration, and that was up from 3.5% the year before. So mm. massive step step-ons with um, what customers are doing. And we know that that omni-channel customer is really important. And again, their expectations are really high from their our online to offline experiences. So the focus on things on our platforms like Coles and Co. There's been a massive increase in engagement there. Our app, 
So, and we also know that our omni-channel customers are stickier. So our customers that shop in-store and online are 2.3, are spending 2.3 times more than a customer that just shops in-store alone. So mm. that's why their expectations, to David's point, it's, it's no longer a, an option. It is a ticket to the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lisa, are you finding as well, because I'm noticing that, that they're becoming uh, digital customers are focusing on, on major brands that they can trust yeah. rather than just buy anything online. They've been stunned yes. by, by looking online, seeing a great item, realising when it gets delivered that it's dodgy quality or size isn't good or whatever. And rather than just buy anything online, they're gravitating to the big brands and using their online databases and, and platforms rather than try their hand with anyone. So they're being brand-led rather than just product-led. That's so true. And there is an absolute loyalty in this space to brands that they trust. And um, and in, for us, that's a really important one because that's our vision, to be the most trusted retailer. And, you know, three years ago, we were in the top five most distrusted retailers. And now we're, you know, almost top of the pile. So that has really facilitated customers coming to us and shopping a whole lot of things with us. Um, um, and, you know, across the range, it's not just within grocery, it's also fresh, There's a, it's meat, it's not just one thing. So that supports, you know, David's um, point there. We all love the convenience of shopping online. We hate it when it doesn't work out and you've yeah. got to send it back or you want your money back. It's, it's a really fascinating change and filter that I think customers are putting through their digital purchases. Yeah, well, the point there, I think some 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 others have made the point that um, the differentiator in, in, in the e-commerce and the pressure that's in around it is customer experience and how you're managing all those things. I think there's some, some really good examples of where I, I think it was the iconic, you know, basically your returns the moment you put it back to Australia Post and it's scanned, your money goes back in your account. You don't even wait for it to go back in the warehouse and price. It's all those little things, how you get a delivery to an apartment block. Well, they're suggesting they're, they're using sort of machine learning to go, that's an apartment, let's do it to a, a parcel pickup box rather than try and get you at home and, and, and miss it. So all that CX stuff is, is important. Lisa, just before we uh, we move on to Kurt around e-commerce, because he's got some interesting things going, the pressure that's on all businesses and e-commerce um, changes things up. I think you've got, you, you know, you got, you're looking for how many thousand people to, to start doing, what are they doing? What are you looking for? The, what are those jobs for? Across the board. So we're currently looking for 7,000 uh, new team members. Um, and that will be, we, we always, coming into Christmas, we always in, increase our workforce. So it will be in our distribution centres, uh, face-to-face in our stores, through all of our departments. Um, so it's pretty much across the board for us. You know, we've got 120,000 uh, team members currently, and we need some casuals to work up and down um, in our busy Christmas period. So that's effectively what they're for. Kurt Burnett, uh, on the e-commerce front, you, you know, media companies are moving, you know, to, to meet this whole shift that's going on in, in, in online. Uh, you, you know, there's some really eye-popping new experiments that are integrating the, the, the those daggy QR codes and e-commerce initiatives into content lineup, into your content lineup. I know it's mostly under wraps uh, until you're up front, but give us a bit of a tease. You're, you're up to some pretty interesting things in integrating commerce and e-commerce into content, right? Yeah, I mean, what uh, you know, David and Lisa have said is, you know, quite clearly the consumer behaviour is there for everyone to see. Um, yeah, the QR code's back. Um, did it ever really go away, though? I don't know. But anyway, it's, we've been forced to use it and uh, 
and it, it's coming in. Last year, we, we worked with a, a global vendor to um, introduce um, things like QR codes, which are built into programmatic creative. So, you know, like getting right into the ad tech on it. So not just putting it on the screen, but actually, you know, programmatically serving that up and doing things like that. Um, so, you know, the, the, there's a couple of interesting stats that we saw out of that, um, which just pushes harder into this idea that uh, people are willing to, um, you know, the time between being uh, inspired and purchasing is shrinking. So what took days, weeks is now down to hours. Um, the moments to make those transactions are a lot easier now because your device is with you while you're watching television. You know, all of these trends that are happening just makes it the perfect um, storm for, you know, for this to occur. But the other thing that's what we saw when we were using these QR codes in the creative itself um, and the dynamic uh, QR codes. So 71% of um, the connected TV user use their mobile to look up related content while they're watching TV. 71% was it? 71%. So that then says that the second screening um, is likely to increase in action by 75%. Mm. So when you take those stats, um, you apply that for our media organisation where we create content that inspires people, we think that we can create a passion-based purchase. Um, so, you know, how do we do those things and how do we make that, um, you know, elevated to, you know, the degree where people will make an action, whether it's buying the product um, from, you know, Coles that they, they see in their basket or it's um, board shorts that they see on Home and Away or that dress that Sonny's wearing on Big Brother, whatever that thing is, or that great tie that Koshi used to wear on Sunrise. Um, that, uh, you know, what, whatever somebody sees, you know, how do they transact in the moment? And, you know, we've got, you know, the leading BVOD and 7 Plus and the leading broadcaster and 7. So that's a lot of people um, that are looking at things to be inspired by it. Now, singularly, that, that's not going to make impact. But in combination, taking advantage of the consumer behavior, um, we see that as a real opportunity um, going forward. And that's something that um, we're working with partners on as well. Like this is... The other thing is with any of this, it's about how you uh, work to develop what is uh, the right thing to do. Because I can tell you this, when we first did it, you know, trial at some of the QR codes, it wasn't right. You know, it was it was messing with the creative. And, you know, so there's some interesting, really interesting things that we're all learning together on that. And um, I think the future is pretty bright in that in that regard. So if you can combine content with commerce, uh, it's it's pretty powerful. But and I think Koshi touched on it before, and you know Lisa agreed, and I know Lisa does agree because she's um, very, very good at this. And you know, brand in a world of options, what makes you make, go to that website? What makes you trust that brand? I mean, brand building. You know, we've seen the theme coming through now. Brand building is a very, a huge, huge piece of the briefing going into next year. It's always been big, but it's bigger again. So the two things: brand building and get how do I, how do you help me? get to our econ. Interesting, Kurt, when, so you're saying sort of TV marketing now is almost saying, even though we might be a bricks and mortar business, hey, while you're sitting there, um, uh, go and look at our digital print footprint, go and look at our platform, do it now, because your research is saying it's right next to them. You won't be disappointed. You can buy it here you're going to get exactly what you expect. Exactly. And, and But also, you know, how do you work to make sure you're not taking away from the content? So, you know, creating baskets, just flick it and put it in the basket. So, 
you know, like everyone's, uh, a lot of people are, are trialing it and, you know, we're no different. But I think, yeah, it's, it's a real opportunity. And I think we're also very keen to make sure that it's a value exchange. It's a it's a it's something that somebody wants to do. Uh, the real key thing is do not get in the way of an existing habit. Be part of it. And if you can nail that piece, then... You know, it's it's you're going to be pretty successful in the space. So you're working. You're you're essentially what you're where you're headed now. Then Kurt is, um, you know, it's a buzzword. I'm sorry, but that whole thing of full funnel. Um, you're you're sort of going from the top of the funnel at brand, and you're actually getting down in the activation and conversion down with a QR code that gets it is generating a response. All all kind of tied up in the same program or campaign. Is that right? Hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, that's by the very nature of what we do, and we can see now. I mean, you know, over ten million registered users and seven plus. You know, with a big broad, uh, broad reach audience, but with those you know data points, it just gives you so much more insights, a lot of targeting, and being part of that full funnel approach. I mean, when do when do we start to see this activity becoming mainstream with the seven group? Uh, is that for for next year? What what sort of volume are we talking about? How how many will we see, Kurt, with this? You know, um, the link from top uh, to bottom funnel. Well, that my friend is where I'll leave it because. I've got to leave something for the upfronts, don't I? So- Fair point. I did try. I did try. Lisa, you must you must have been brief. Tell us what's Kurt up to. <laughs> no, I no, I wholeheartedly agree with Kurt. We're trying lots of different things and you know, during um, the AFL, you know, particularly the finals, we worked together on some really interesting interactive pieces because when we talked about brand before, I think one of the trends coming out of the year is that sense of wanting a sense of connection and live sport was a really great facilitator for that because whilst everyone's in their own homes, there's a sense of um, a shared event going on and, you know, particularly with the final um, at the weekend with, you know, record ratings, I'm selling for you here now, Kurt, but with record ratings, um, there was that sense of community and in the lead up to it, we did, you know, all of these different fan competitions that, like quite literally, we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people enter on voting for their favourite footy moment or their favourite player. And so that sense of the second screen, but still being very engaged in the first screen is, I think, an increasing trend. So I'm sure Kurt's going to announce a lot more about that in the upfronts. Yes, well, it sounds like uh, Lisa Ronson's also Seven West Ambassador now as well, so well done. <laughs> Kurt, what's the general sense, you know, if we're looking, we're sort of talking about what's for 2022 now, um, what's the general sense you're, you're seeing hearing from advertisers or in advertiser briefs for next year? Is everybody clear on their strategy uh, and their tone and what they're going to say and how they're going to say it, or is it still, is it still moving around trying to work it out? Well, here's the thing. So we've just heard about how big, you know, 22 is going to be in, into the start and and, in, and the end of this year, quite frankly, too. So it's um you know those, those stats are clear economically, culturally, um, all those things are there. Uh, there is I don't think I've sensed more willingness to do things um, bigger and better and different than I have right at this particular time coming into next year. And what I mean by that is um, you know like this this view of uh, the tonality in positioning is around sustainability is a very, very peak. How can we help um, you know, brands with sustainability, um, you know, pushing their diversity position? Um, and uh, and Lisa mentioned before, you know, around authenticity as well, but how, how you tell that story and, and never before has that been more important. And that's, that's come loud and clear in the creative positioning on how that goes into next year. Um, and everyone wants to do a lot of stuff, but there's still uh, actually quite a bit of lateness to it. Willing but late is how 
I'd explain it, just which is an interesting point in itself. And I think that's got other ramifications to it as people are trying to be cautious to not um, get in too early because there's, uh, and I, but I think people have very much learned what Lisa was saying before about this notion of agility and um, being able to pivot. And I think uh, certainly, you know, the example that Lisa and I were talking about with the, um, you know, the Coles Creative where we did in 48 hours, and I wouldn't suggest that everyone wants to do that. No, you don't want to encourage that, trust me. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> but, but I think um, there's, this, there's this confidence now that you can actually, you know, get something, you know, go long, get into the front half of next front quarter next year, and then you can change it on the way through. You know, we're launching our, um, you know, kickstart proposition where we're kickstarting into the year, own the quarter, um, be part of this rush back to uh, 2021, and um, you know that's and, and, and the discussions are around those sort of things. But really, the biggest part is uh, the creative tone. And you know, there's one other factor into next year, which is an interesting one, and that's you know an election. And uh, into quarter two next year, uh, you know, the, the election has to be called by May. So, you know, I think there's um, when we, what we've seen around the year, the around the world with other uh, countries coming out. You know, there's the the big categories that come back. We've spoken about travel, retail, um, auto is coming back, but the other one's government. You know, that's that's going to be a big contributor and a very important one um, to what it is that we're saying to the community. Um, so there's a, there's a whole lot of factors there. I take that um, as a tip to Lisa that she should get her forward planning and schedules on seven sorted very quickly because the government will take them. To both David and 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 Lisa, uh, in terms of the tone, you know, we we had this dis- debate last year about. Uh, you know, brands coming out and just saying we care, we're there for you, and so forth, and that was sort of the a prevailing tone that some felt pushed it got got a little bit too shallow. Um, Lisa, what are you thinking in terms of uh, how positive, upbeat is it? Is it is that where you get, you're going to go with Cole's messaging, or is it um, something else? Well, I think it's really listening to the mood of the nation, and that was the point I was making before on agility. It's it's always getting the tone right, not. Um, you know, being too upbeat when it's not necessary. But I do think that for us, we are seeing consumers wanting a sense of positivity. And to Kurt's point, sustainability has never been more important. And you would have seen that in a lot of the messages that we've um, been putting out there and a lot of the initiatives that we've been doing. And Is that landing? Is that actually landing with, with, with the punters? Well, I was just about to say, um, last week we were announced as the most sustainable retailer um, in Australia and second only in the world by the World Benchmarking right. Association. So it is really starting to land with customers. You know, all of these perceptions, they take a while to change, but we're seeing some really excellent, um, positive, instant results from a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last few months. But it's it's initiatives that we've had in place for years, but we're really, you know, talking about it a lot more because it matters a lot more to, to customers. They want to hear it from us. Um, definitely. But I do think that sense of authenticity, that's been the key uh, through the pandemic. It's always been the way, you know, Australian consumers can smell BS a mile off. So I think we just need to be be true to that and just be listening to our customers. And we've never done more research than what we currently do to make sure that we get that, that tone right. But I'm hoping as a consumer for a lot more positivity in into next year. We thought that this time last year coming into yes, this year, but <laughs> now we're, we're really hoping for a, for a better year next year. So, David, thoughts on tone and, and how, how these companies and brands uh, should go to market? Look, we're, we're a great country and a great community because we battle through hardship together and you can see that in vaccination rates. I saw some figures overnight 
saying our vaccination take-up is way bigger at this time than the UK and the US. Um, mm. we're, we're about to pass the vaccination levels of the UK and the US mm. um, and in a three-month shorter period of time since vac- vaccination started here. We're slow, but everyone has gone, God, we don't want to go through this again. Yeah. We want to protect our community. We've got depressed in lockdown. Let's have a good time. Uh, and I, I think Australian consumers are going to come out of hibernation, and um, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, which are the big drivers, and to a certain extent in Queensland as well, because they've been hit massively on that tourism and hospitality front. Um, so I think it's going to be a massive Christmas period and summer period for uh, for companies. And it is, hey, we've got through this. We've we've done the hard yards together. We've stuck together. Uh, you've trusted us during the hard times. But, hey, you know, let's put it behind us and get back to what Australia is all about, and that's just a great lifestyle, um, very family-oriented, community-oriented. Let's have a good time. Well, I was going to uh, ask final thoughts. I think you've set that up quite well, David, so I'll ask Lisa. I'll leave you alone. But, Lisa, final thoughts in terms of key watchouts for 2022 or big things to watch for that are really on your radar? Got any final thoughts on that? I think it's just being agile and just watching what each of the states do and what consumer behaviour is in each of the states. I mean, there's some sort of dire predictions that we'll be able to go overseas before we can go to some states in Australia. So I think it's really just leaning in and being empathetic to how people are feeling. And if you do that, then you're always going to get the tone as right as you can. And the key is just being genuine and authentic and being very Australian, really. Kurt Burnett, final thoughts on, on Watch Outs or Beyond? Yeah, well, I, I just think we've got to, uh, you know, lean in very hard on what's what's about to come. And I think it's a, it's a really good time. And I know there's been some tough times with, you know, certain sectors and, and regions and, and I, and I think it's going to be a very, very good, positive um, next year. It's going to create its own challenges. But um, it's great that I think in the advertising industry, talking from that, that there's going to be some real, uh, you know, positive challenging going on as people try to innovate. And um, the only other thing is, yeah, just don't be too late in it because it is going to be a very, very, you know, strong start to the year. And um, How do you ex- demand, expect demand to look like next year? Not actual, but just what you hope for, uh, Kurt Burnett. Well, the forwards into the, the end of this quarter are extraordinary, um, you know, which is because last year we didn't end that badly as, as a market. So, the, you know, it's, it's a very, very strong end of the year, uh, which probably isn't expected. But going into next year, um, you know, the – what we're seeing because we've got the Winter Olympics in there, so we, you know, with those major events, you get a good lens into what's happening, and uh, and I think it's uh, my expectation based on that sort of feedback we're getting is that it's going to be everything that we've just discussed today. That um, you know, very confident quarter, and um, it's it's one that's going to um, bring all sorts of challenges, but a huge, huge amount of opportunities, and I think we've just touched on a couple of them. Well, let's sort of summarise it by good vibes and happy days, I think, by the sounds of it for 2022. Uh, Lisa Ronson, David Koch, Kurt Burnett, thanks for joining. Great conversation, really interesting. And um, I think we'll all look forward to um, that happy time next year. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.